have a quick look at the shoes. They are some of my favourites. You know, last time I wore them up here, I did what I thought was an amazing talk. And then as I came down, someone said, your shoes are great. I was like, oh. <laughs> so I was in two minds whether or not to wear them today. So have a quick look, and then you can listen to what the Bible says. <laughs> really good to see you this morning, church. Um, I want to start with a question this morning. My question for you is, have you ever felt really hungry? Now, I don't mean the kind of walking past Greg's thinking, I fancy a sausage roll kind of hungry. I don't even mean the, I'm a teenager, I've just had a roast dinner and where's the biscuit tin kind of hungry. I mean, have you ever felt really hungry? I think the first time that I felt really hungry, I was actually a teenager and I um, chose to do a sponsored fast for 24 hours. So there's a charity called World Vision and they encourage people not to eat for 24 hours and to raise some money. And we made a choice not to eat so that others who didn't have that choice could have some money and then could provide food for them. And I remember just kind of sitting on a chair thinking, and now what do I do? I'm not going to eat. What am I going to do? But I made it to the end of the 24 hours and um, at the end I was hungry. And fortunately for me, there was another meal to come. And that's not the privilege that many, many people have, as you know. But it just struck me, that was a kind of example for me about feeling hungry. You know, the, the, the body is incredibly created. God has made us so that we have natural appetites. That actually, when I, it's, I looked at this as the science bit, I looked, looked it up on the internet. And when our blood sugar gets low, then certain hormones are released so that we will feel hungry, the muscles in our stomach contract, and that's a kind of a warning sign for us that we need to do something, because if we don't eat, then of course our bodies wouldn't keep working. And so hunger is an important thing. And this morning, I want to just talk to you about something that I've just been thinking about for quite a long time. This is a, a message that's kind of been churning away in me for long for most of this year don't worry it's not that long but it's a bit of a starter for 10 for you and it's something that we're going to be thinking about over the next few weeks and it's about feeling hungry because this year for me has been a year of feeling hungry and I don't mean physically hungry I've been longing for more you know sometimes we sing a song don't we I don't know if you know it there must be more than this And for me, as I've been going about my regular daily stuff, as I've been getting up in the morning, as I've been getting my kids ready for school, as I've been getting ready for work, as I've been driving in the car, as I've been drying PE kits in the oven, don't ask, that was this week, as I've been checking my emails, all the different things, you know, that we do at different times of the day and the week, there's just been this nagging feeling in the back of my mind that there is more. And I realise that in saying that, some people, in fact, I mentioned this morning to somebody what I was going to say, and there was a bit of a, there's more? And for me, the thing is, I think there is. There's a bit of a paradox for us, isn't there? Because in the Bible, in the songs we've been singing today, the Bible tells us that Jesus has done everything, that he died on the cross, that he rose again to pay the price for the stuff that we've done wrong. He's the one who gives us the opportunity to have friendship with God. He comes, and in John 10.10, he said, I come that you can have life, life in all its fullness. And then in a different passage in the Bible, it says that we have the power of God working within us to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. That's in Ephesians 3. So on one hand, if I've got that, then how can I ask for more? But I still have that sense of dissatisfaction. 
And please don't get me wrong, I really love being part of this church family. I love being part of a really vibrant, passionate worshipping community. Wasn't that worship? I can say this because the guys are upstairs with the, the kids. That worship was just wonderful. How amazing that we can experience the presence of God in such a tangible way, such a real way, with us here in a bus garage on a Sunday morning. I really love being part of a church of people who worship passionately, who give to the poor so generously. You know, here is our, we've relocated our children's storehouse, if you'd missed that from a few weeks ago, just because of our building works. This is stuff that's been donated by people in our church family and in our community to give to people who need it. You know, these shoe boxes, we'll give away loads of those. We just gave a load of boxes to Syria. What a generous church you, we are. And I love being part of that. I love being part of a community who pray for the sick in body and mind and spirit and actually sometimes see people get healed. You know, this morning I was chatting to Lynn and she said that she saw a friend this week who'd had a car accident um, a week last Thursday and had been in really bad back pain. And she'd seen this friend and she just said, can I pray for you? And she'd pray for her and the pain had gone straight away. I love that. I love that we can be part of this thing. But I do sense that there is more. So what do I want more of? That's one of the things that someone challenged me. Well, I want more of God in me. I want more of his love that overtakes the selfishness that I exhibit and that I am. I want to see more of my friends coming to know him and finding help in these crises. Because I don't know about your friends, but a lot of my friends are in really tricky situations. I want to see more people healed. I want to see more marriages that are brought back from the brink and are restored. I want to see more young people who know how to deal with the challenges and the stress and the pain of life so they don't have to self-harm. I want to see more change in the society around me. I want to see more intimacy with Jesus in my own life. The list goes on. But as I said to you, this has been a struggle for me for quite a long time, wondering what this looks like and what it really means to ask God for more. And back in January, our National Leaders Conference in uh, Nottingham, we had a speaker from the Salvation Army. You may well have heard of her. She's a lady called Danielle Strickland. And she's kind of a bit controversial sometimes with the way that she speaks. And our whole conference had been called more. And we've been looking at her and saying, come on, there must be more. We love what we're seeing, but it's not enough. There must be more. You are almighty God. Why are we not seeing more of your action and your activity with us on a day-to-day basis? And she stood up and she said, what is it that you guys want? You're just greedy. Jesus died so that you could have it all. Are you just consumers? Are you just wanting to have more to make you feel better? Are you just wanting more experience? Are you just wanting wanting more to, to to have a holy bless up? What is it about? And I was really helped thinking and churning over that by a book that I picked up. In fact, I bought it for Nigel a few years ago and found it on the shelf. And it's called More. And it's by Simon Ponsonby. And would you be kind of to flip the slides off for me? Thank you. Just because I started talking, I'm not looking at the screen so well. And it's actually called How You Can Have More of the Spirit When You Already Have Everything in Christ. And I highly recommend it to you. And in fact, when I was thinking about this sermon series, I just said to a friend, I wonder if I should just buy a book and give it to everyone and say, right, we'll start on page one and we'll just read it through. Because it has some really helpful things that you might like to dig into. And if you want to dig in deeper do get this book. But one passage that Simon steers us to is in Ephesians. And if you've got a Bible, do pull it out on your phone or in real life, a real paper edition, the old-fashioned version. The words will come up on the screen, but there are quite a lot of them, and they're quite packed in. 
So we're going to be in Ephesians, Ephesians, sorry, Ephesians, efficiently in Ephesians, chapter one, and we're going to start at verse three. And this is kind of like a summary of what we who know Jesus already have. This is Paul writing, writing to the people in Ephesus, so it's Monday Turkey, telling them, if you're following Jesus, this is yours already. So in verse 3, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he's freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace, that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times would have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and earth together under one head, even Christ. Oh, sorry, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Sorry, I'm running ahead of you. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. When we read that, we go, wow. What is it that Paul says that we have? And I've highlighted some of those words. So in verse 3, we have every spiritual blessing in Christ. In verse 4, we've been chosen by God. In verse 5, we've been adopted into his family. As we heard a few weeks ago, we're not servants, we're not slaves, but we're part of the family. In verse 7, we've been forgiven. All the stuff that we've done wrong that we don't want anybody to know about. We can choose to have that forgiven and washed clean. Verse 8, we've been lavished with grace. What a great word, lavish. Makes me think like, you know, lashings of ginger beer or loads of butter on toast. There's loads of it. It's not that there's just a little bit. He's so generous. And we've been marked with the seal of the Holy Spirit. You know, that song we sang, I never sang that one before. The song we sang this morning, Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. That is what we already have in Christ. Because of what Jesus did, if we choose to accept that, these things are ours. Amazing thing to ponder on. And in fact, you know, that, that song went on, didn't it, about how he pursues us and chases us. And some of you will know that experience. You're not people following Jesus yet. But you know that wherever you go, whichever corner you turn, he's there. He's here today. He's calling your name. He's not going to let you go. He runs after us and pursues us. So having read that, I can understand why we might think, well, come on, Joe, you're just being greedy. Haven't you got enough there? But if we look on in the passage in Ephesians 1... And we read from verse 15, and Paul says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And I keep asking that the God of our glorious Lord Jesus, 
sorry, the God of our Lord Jesus, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so you may know him better. So Paul, who says what we already have, is going to the Father and asking for more. He's asking that we would have a greater knowledge of God, that spirit of wisdom and revelation, so that we know, may know him better. Verse 18, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his uncomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. So Paul is going to God and asking for three more things. He's asking that we would have, that the Ephesians would and we would have a greater knowledge of God, that we could know God better. He's asking that we could have a greater knowledge of what is ours in Christ. That stuff that we read in the first passage, that knowing and understanding that we are chosen and adopted and we're forgiven and that we're sons and daughters. And also he's asking for that power to be expressed within our lives more. That power to fight back and say no to sin. That power to see people healed and raised from the dead. So it sounds like a funny paradox, doesn't it? Because in Christ we have everything. And yet somehow there is more. So bear with me with this as we kind of journey on. Simon Ponsonby in this book says, Wanting more doesn't undermine the work of Jesus on the cross. That was enough. But wanting more fully mines that work. It kind of exploits it. Exploits it. it sucks it out. It chews on it. It gets the juice from it. It gets the, the most of what Jesus did so that we can have that active in our lives. And that comes in and through the Holy Spirit. You know, Knight and I used to be um, kids pastors in a different church a long time ago. And I remember us, one morning we had um, some distressed parents who came to see us. And their children had been visiting our um, children's church. And they said, we were really distressed with what happened today because we, you prayed that um, the children would be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we said, yeah, we often do that. And they said, but I missed it. I wanted to be there when that happened. These parents were really distressed and they had a completely different understanding to us because we understand that the Holy Spirit lives in us when we come and say yes to Jesus. He's that, that seal, that deposit that was written about in Ephesians. But the Bible also tells us that we need to keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. We leak, I don't know about you, but I certainly do. And Paul talks about us being filled as an active thing, that we need to keep coming back to him so that he can fill us again. One of the things that we, that I, that we as a church are looking for is a place where we can encounter God really deeply. A place where we can experience him really fully. But that's not enough. The encounters are wonderful, but they have to lead us to action. We need to have power to serve the people around us who need it. We need to see our characters changed. We need to live and move and have our being in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And so when we're kind of calling out for more, I think really that's what I'm asking for. And we know from what Mark said last week, don't we, that he is a good and generous father He says, ask, and I will give you. In Luke 13, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So we do need to ask for more, but that's not just just not it. 
Paul and I were chatting this week. Um, he's talking next week on some more about more. And as we were talking, one of the things that he said was, we don't just need to cry out. We actually need to step in. We need to choose to do something about this longing. I need to choose to do something about this longing in my heart for more of God. And um, I thought I'd tell you a little bit of story about it. Earlier this year, um, Nigel and I and some friends went to a conference in Northern Ireland, um, actually called Encounter More. It's a kind of worship and teaching conference. And I love the scenery over there. I love the Causeway Coast. It is just stunning. Unspoiled, beautiful, craggy. The sea just goes on forever and ever. And so I chose where we were going to stay, and I booked a, a, an apartment, a first-floor apartment, which was literally just by the sea. So there was the apartment, and there was a little road you could drive on, and there was the sea. And so as we went up into the apartment, we opened the door, and it had these huge picture windows, and all you could see was the sea and the rocks, which was absolutely stunning. And um, it was a lovely day, and the sun was glinting off the water, and the waves were breaking over some rocks in the corner. And I just sat in the in the window seat and just drank it in because I'm one of those people who beautiful things just really replenish me so that was great for me and then I had to go down and get some milk and so we knit down to the shop to get some milk and I was I was walking I was kind of thinking about the sea and thinking about how God is kind of like the sea the sea is huge and the sea goes on forever and it's always there and yet it's not always the same and he is the same but there are so many aspects of him that we see at different times and I was just really struck by what he's like. And I don't know whether you know, there are lots of songs that we sing, don't we, about God and how he's kind of like the sea. Maybe you know that old one, you know, wide, wide as the ocean, high as the heavens above. Do you know that one? Deep, deep as the deep, the sea is my saviour's love. And they were kind of, we use the picture of the sea to describe God. And I was, as I was thinking about it though, actually, I love looking at the sea, but I'm not so keen going in it. If we go on holiday... I am usually the person who will look after everything on the beach. And Nigel is the brave soul who goes in with the kids and, um, you know, kind of romps in the waves and all that kind of business. I don't so much like going in it. And I thought about it. I thought, why is that? And one of the reasons is I have a very healthy fear for the sea. My dad used to be um, a beach lifesaver when he was a student, you know, to raise raise money for his studying. And so he's told us a number of stories about either near misses or people who didn't make it because of the sea. So I'm aware about how dangerous the sea is. But that kind of, I think, has slightly put me off. And as I was mulling on this day and thinking about the sea, I just thought, I don't really like going to the sea because I'm slightly afraid. And I just felt this little kind of whisper in my head going, oh, Joe, so you're likening me to the sea. So is there any way that you're kind of a bit afraid to to come and, and step into me? And I thought, gosh, wow, I'd never really thought about that. Am I kind of afraid of more of God? Am I afraid of stepping in? So I thought, right, I'm going to do something about this. I'm going to do this prophetic action. So I took my trainers off and my socks off and I rolled my jeans up and I went for a paddle in the sea. And I was like, no, I'm not afraid. Here I am in the sea. It was cold. But then, (laughs) thankfully, there weren't that many people around. So I put my shoes back on and I went back with milk. And then we were just, I was reading in the, this holiday home some information about the place. And just down the coast, probably, how far would it be? 100 yards, you could see it from our window, was a place called the Herring Pool. It's a place called the Herring Pool. And it's a natural, um, a natural plunge pool made out of the rock. 
And as I read it, and it, it said in the, in the book, and some people come in the mornings and they plunge in the water. And, um, you know, I just thought, are they crazy? This is Northern Ireland. I've paddled in the sea. It's freezing cold. What, do they, what are they doing? But sure enough, the next morning, we saw these people, mostly more mature people, let's say, driving up in their cars with their dressing gowns on. They get out the, get out the car, strip off the dressing gown. There they are in their cozies, say hello, nod to each other, climb down into the water, and out they come again in this natural punch pool. And I just thought, to be honest, that is slightly crazy. But I, I did actually speak to them, and they said it was very exhilarating, and they liked it. So um, we went then to the worship conference in the evening. And when I was there in worship, I was just thinking about more and about stepping into God and about all this kind of stuff that's been in my mind. And I just had this little whisper. And I just thought, am I really afraid to experience more of God fully? Am I afraid to give him all that I am? Or should I do that? And I couldn't tell whether it was me or whether it was God. And there I was in the worship, and I just thought, well, here I am. You know, I'm in the worship. It's glorious. It's amazing. Yes, God, you can have all of me. You know, like we sing in these songs. All of me. It's all for you. I'll do anything you want me to do. Have you ever sung those songs? Be careful. Um, And in that moment, I just thought, right, tomorrow morning, when the sun, early in the morning, I'm going to go, and I'm going to go and plunge with those people. And it sounded like a great idea. The next morning I woke up, I opened the curtains, it was really grey and overcast. It was miserable. The day before it had been glorious sunshine, it was really lovely. And I just thought, oh no, I think it was just me. It wasn't God. (laughs) (laughs) But, do you know, at this conference, they've been talking about being obedient, about taking a risk, about not putting the lens of being sensible on when you think you might have heard God speak to you. And so I thought, okay, what is there to lose? Nobody knows about this. No one's going to see me. Nobody knows about this. You know, I'm going to do it. So I slipped out of the, the flat. I went down um, and I went to the punch pool and I got there and it was cold and it was grey and it was overcast and I was frightened. And yet I thought, if I don't do this now, I'm not going to be here again another time. And actually, I really do want more of God. I really, really do. And so just in case it was him and not my good idea, just in case, I'm going to do this thing. So I just took my towel off and I had my leggings or whatever on. And I climbed down the steps into the water and I went right under and I came out again. And it was cold and I was frightened and I didn't like it. But when I got out, it was so exhilarating. Cold water does that to you, doesn't it? And I just thought... In fact, when I went back, I was writing my journal, and I just felt like God said to me, Joe, I love the fact that you did that, even if it maybe wasn't me. I don't know whether it was him, whether it was me. But he loves that we have hearts that respond to him and want to go into them more, because that's where he meets us. And so with that in mind, I mean, it's a silly story, and I was talking to Nicole yesterday, saying, they're going to think I'm crackers if I tell them I'm jumping in the Irish Sea, do you know what I mean? That's not the bit that matters. The bit that she suggested was helpful to think about is that sometimes we commit to do things that we say we want more of God, and yet when it comes to the moment, it is dark or overcast or cold or grey. And actually the thing to do is to try and follow through on what you felt like God said to do. You know, there's that phrase, isn't it? Don't, I'm trying to remember the phrase now. Don't deny in the dark what you know to be true in the light. 
that if God is calling you to something or talking to you about something, or even if you just have a whisper that he is, as long as it's not illegal, do it. (laughs) So rather than just crying out for God, we need to step in. And I think that when we do cry out for God, we say, God, I want more of you. His response is, yes, me too. I want more of you. I want you to give me more of yourself. I want you to give me more obedience, more time, more passion, your money, your heart, your life, everything. Because only when we're fully surrendered to him can he really take us and use us. You know, I um, went to a friend's house once. They had a rented house and there was a room which was locked because the people who owned the house stored all their stuff in there whilst they were renting the house to everybody else. And as much as we... Could do, all we could do was go into the rooms that were available. There was a room that was locked. And if you wanted to clean the house, all you could do is clean the rooms that are available. And what God wants us to do is he wants us to open all the rooms. He wants all the doors open so that he can go in and clean the house in its entirety. And so just as a way to land, in this really lovely book by Simon Ponsonby, He gives some suggestions of things that can stop us giving more of ourselves to God and knowing more of God. And I've just got those to come up on the screen. And the question is, so is there anything that's getting in the way for me today or for you today of experiencing more of God and of giving more to him? Simon calls them handbrakes from the Holy Spirit. And the first one is an unexpectant heart. You know, sometimes we just limit what we can know and experience of God because of our own experience. We just know that God does this, this is how he meets us, this is how he talks to us, and this is it. And so it can be really helpful to get around people who are experiencing new or different or more things. So maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus, and you're wondering, actually, is there anything in this at all? And if that is you, then why don't you find somebody who has brought you or how you've come today? Find someone who knows him and just ask them about what their experience of more is. You know, whenever Paul, Paul comes back from his travels and he tells stories about people coming to know Jesus or tremendous healings, or when I speak to Lynn about going to the toddler group and praying, praying for people to get healed, those things whet my appetite. Those make me more expectant. And so if you don't feel very expectant today, put yourself in a place where you can broaden your horizons. Something else that can stop us having more of God is just having an unyielded life. If we want more of God, as I've said, we have to give more to him. As Mark said last week, if we want to hear God, we actually have to listen to him. Do you know, there was a thrilling story from last week. I spoke to a chap after one of the services, and he said, God is here. I heard a voice calling my name. I didn't recognize it, but it was strangely familiar. And then just after that, um, Mark told the story from the Bible about Samuel, who heard a voice calling his name. And this guy I spoke to said, that that voice calling my name, that was God, wasn't it? So if you want to hear God, you're going to have to take some time and space to listen. Sometimes things that stop us connecting more and receiving more from God and giving ourselves more to him is just sin. You know, the Holy Spirit is holy. He can't live with sin. He doesn't like sin. But he is so kind because he shows us the stuff that's wrong in our lives for the sole purpose of sorting it out and getting it right. And, you know, I was struck this week. The things that I think are my secret sins, they're not secret at all. He knows them already. 
All he wants me to do is to be honest with him, to come to him and say, this is the stuff, this is what I'm struggling with. Please forgive me and help me get right. There's real power in us acknowledging the stuff that's wrong in our lives and choosing to go his way, and that's how we get forgiven. The next thing that can get in the way is that we have an enemy, an undiscerned enemy. Sometimes we're not aware. Satan is God's enemy, and he is the one who wants to stop us having more of God and sharing that with other people. And he tries all kinds of things to do, to do that. And so we are in a battle, that's what the Bible says. We need to be aware of that, and we need to use the tools and the weapons we've got to fight. And some of that is just recognizing what he's doing and where he's at work. Some of that's praying, some of that is reading the Bible, and some of that is living right. We have those tools to be able to fight. The next thing that can get away is that we have this inheritance that's just unclaimed. We haven't maybe read Ephesians 1 before or for a while. We don't understand what it is that Jesus died for, that we can know forgiveness and adoption, we can be welcomed in. So just coming to him and saying, I want this, this is mine, this is my inheritance, I want it. Please show me how to live an eye of that. And then the last thing, which is probably true for many people, is that actually we don't have more of God because we don't believe we're worthy. And if that's how you think today, if you're just thinking, I know that the Holy Spirit's real, I know that he's doing incredible things with some people, but actually, I don't deserve it. And you know, you're absolutely right. That is the absolute truth for all of us. None of us deserve God's kindness and his goodness and his grace. But the incredible thing is that although that is undeserved, he chooses to give. You know, at Christmas time, my kids don't get gifts because of what they've earned. It's not that they've been out and got money and they've, you know, earned the stuff so they can get the, the gift that they want. The reason they have a present at Christmas is because we've worked and we've earned money and we've been to the shop and we've bought a gift to give them. And that's the same with God. It's not to do with how much we work and what we do. It's to do with his generosity and his work that means that he can give us that gift. So God wants to give his Holy Spirit increasing measure. There is more. We have a lot already. But as we give ourselves to him, then he wants to pour out more of himself to us, for us, through us. And actually the point of it is not just for us, but the point of it is for those people who don't know him yet and who really, really need him. And so today, I just wonder if you might think, if you do want more of God in your life, have a look at your life at the moment. Have a think with the Holy Spirit. Are there any of these things that are just getting in the way? Or you've just got low expectations? Or are there rooms in the house that are just locked off? Or is there stuff that you know you're doing wrong and you just haven't said sorry for it? Is the enemy just having a dig and you're, you're not using the weapons and the tools that you've got in order to fight? Would you just not really believe that this is for you? Or do you actually think that you're not good enough? It'll be different for each of us. But if you do want more, then the Holy Spirit can show you what is getting in the way. And as we cry out for more of him, and as we step into more of him, then he promises he will meet us there.
Shall we stand together? Why don't we take a minute to pause and just invite the Holy Spirit to come and speak. So it may be that something that Joe has said has resonated with you. It may be that one of those... Uh, one of those handbrakes kind of just stirred something in you, or it may be that God is speaking to you anyway. So Holy Spirit, we welcome your presence here. We welcome your presence here. Thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you that there is so much for us in you already. And also... Thank you that, that there is a challenge for us to step in to greater and greater things. Just going to pause and just going to wait. Holy Spirit, we welcome you and we invite your presence. And now, Lord, would you take that message and would you solidify it into each of our hearts? If there's something that you want to speak to us, we want to respond to you. Just gonna pause and wait and welcome you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your presence here. And even as we just pause, there is a sense of God's Holy Spirit just resting on a number of people in the room. Perhaps you guys could just put that slide back up again, the penultimate one. And um, it may be that just one of those keys is something that God's speaking to you about. Maybe that the Holy Spirit really wants to move and, you know, just as Joe spoke, you think, oh yeah, there's something about that. So just ask the Spirit. Perhaps you could just put that one back for me, the handbrakes. The one before that. Yeah, the handbrakes one. Second to last slide. Thank you. And Holy Spirit, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to make this happen myself, but I just want to invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us. So as you just look through those, just ask him, Holy Spirit, is there one of these that you want to speak to me about? Is there something here for me? And just as you work through those, read through them, settle in your mind and just invite him to speak. And then in just a second, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. I think the Lord is inviting us. and He's just saying, you know, what steps do you, what step do you want to take today? Is there a step that God's calling you to? Is there something he's inviting us to do?
stepping in might mean a whole bunch of different things to each of us. Maybe for you it means opening your hands and just worshipping at this point. Maybe for you stepping in means giving your life to Jesus today. Saying yes to him. Maybe it means taking a step out here and just inviting someone to pray for you. Because you know that there's something more that he wants to deal with in his kindness and his gentleness and his generosity. It may be that stepping in for you means something specifically you need to do when you go to work tomorrow. Something about an attitude or an action that needs to change. If that's you, by the way, we'd still love to pray for you. So if, if, that, if that means anything to you, if God is speaking to you and you want to respond, I'm going to invite you just to come in this moment and in this space and just to stand before him. You don't have to jump into a very cold plunge pool in the sea although maybe metaphorically you do (laughs) when we do our baptisms it's not that cold by the way (laughs) but listen if that's you and you want to respond to what God's saying just while the band play and we'll worship a little bit and we'll close up our service in just a few minutes but if you want to come and respond to what God is saying if you feel like he is inviting you to step into more if he's inviting you to a specific response why don't you come why don't you come I know there are a few of you. Why don't you come? Bless you. This is a safe place. And as you come, I'm just going to ask some people from our church to also come and pray for you at the same time. So if you're not responding to that, but you would like some people to come and pray for these guys, would you come and pray? There's an opportunity just to uh, respond to what God is saying and doing. Come on, church, let's not leave these guys hanging. Let's come and pray for them. just so you know you know whatever you come whatever you speak about you know that's between you and God and between you and the person thank you guys